0: It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network.
2: people, Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this big gigantic spongy globe. We talk passion, we talk first concerts, insights into the creative mind during this truly unusual time and everything in the juicy centre.
0: This week, we're excited to share a conversation with Black
1: Thought of the Roots. And you know, we killed it. We won the talent show that year, and uh, and I've, I've been hooked ever since. The rest is sort of history.
0: Long before he became the voice of one of the most essential hip-hop groups of a generation, Tariq Trotter started performing on the streets of Philadelphia with another young man named Amir Thompson. Not long later, the duo stood at the fore of a massively influential band, now going by Black Thought and Questlove. The Roots made a splash quickly, kicking off in the early 90s and reaching the platinum echelon with 1999's classic Things Fall Apart. That strength has only continued to grow for decades, with Black Thought's diverse list of credits now including The Roots' role as Jimmy Fallon's house band on Late Night. Now Black Thought is set to release his third solo project, Streams of Thought Volume 3, Cain and Abel. Due October 2nd, the record spans a vast array, showcasing Thought's unique vocal skill alongside production from Sean C, and features including Pusha T and Portugal the Man, among many others. In this chat, Lior spoke with Black Thought about what he and Questlove learned while performing as a duo, how the pandemic has shifted his pre-show routines at Fallon, setting Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band as a goal in The Roots Rise, covering DeBarge as a teenager, and so much more. So let us not be delayed, this is Lior in Black Thought, enjoy!
2: Fallon at the moment? Yes. So what time do you often get there before the show starts to record? How many well, hours before?
1: I usually arrive at around 1.45. Um, I take a COVID test uh, that fin- you know, that I get the results by two or shortly after two. And then I'm here. I uh, We usually re- have a rehearsal between three and 3.30. And then um, I just sort of hang around until uh, we shoot the show, which uh, most m- most days is around five forty-five.
2: Wow. Okay. So what do you do when you're like hanging around? What are you? Are those um, moments?
1: When I'm hanging around, I yeah. I, I read, I read <gasps> books.
2: Tony. Oh.
1: And um, but so yeah, this is uh, this is what I do in my downtime. This is a really good one.
2: Becoming supernatural, Dr. Joe Dispenser.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do. I do we that. Do that. And I, I, mm. I shop online. And, <laughs> you know, I, I write. I write songs and stuff, and just kill time. I'm used to sort of, um, you know, being more interactive with uh, the rest of the staff and the other members of, of the Roots. But there's only like one person per room. Uh, maximum occupancy now so we can speak to each other at a distance in the hallway but aside from that there's not much uh you know like the, the way we fraternize and socialize sure very very different now
2: yeah i think it kind of obviously it's a new way of living but it certainly makes you appreciative of the times that we had when we were like coughing and sniffing and hugging yeah. and <laughs> right Absolutely. like when you travel and things like that how OCD are you with germs and stuff like do you normally wipe down counters and are you like aware of how gross humans are normally or is it <laughs> just from covid that you are thinking
1: twice No this has been great for me because I've, I've I'm I've always been sort of a, a germaphobe not to the extreme but um yeah I've always been you know sort of wiping things down and you know just conscious of of touching my face and keeping my hands clean and everything because uh because I'm a singer and I've you yes. know gone through sort of being sick on the road and not being able to use my voice and if I can't use my voice then I'm not the only one who sort of suffers so mm-hmm. um yeah I've always been just more conscious of that and been a bit of of an introvert and a bit uh you know a little bit to myself but I'm also social but you know I feel like this Uh, Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm as close to sort of an ideal fit as as one, uh, almost as close as as one could come for these, you know, the current sort of precautions that we're having to take.
2: I think there's something about like as a singer and an artist that you, you know, as you are, that also you start thinking about how isolated that creative process is anyway. Mm Yeah. So, you know, you spend a lot of time rightfully, you know, with socializing with people, collaborating with artists, reading, yeah. writing, your brain's constantly going. But to be honest, you are so good for this almost because you are in your th- own space often. You're in the recording studio, backstage, preparing, things like that. Did you think about things like that? How lucky you are in the sense that you don't have to be teaching yourself or reteaching yourself how to be in this time.
1: Yeah, I'm very thankful. And, you know, every day I sort of, um, you know, I, I, I acknowledge that, uh, you know, even if it's, you know, just to, to myself, the gratitude that, uh, I mean, though it's been a lot uh, to sort of get used to, um, it hasn't been a huge, awkward uh, amount of, of adjustment for me. Sure. You know, to do my work. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, let's talk about your work. I mean, this is this is why we're here, and you know, blessings and celebrations for the for the new record that's coming out. Oh, thank um, you. It's such a great thing to have out in the world, and then you know, you look at like. You're now at the third installment of streams of thought, so how does yeah. it feel to be sharing this set of tracks? Were they all written at the same time, or did you want to uh, you know work on them separately?
1: yeah they were um we, I worked on them separately um over over a few different sessions maybe um i want to say maybe five or six uh sessions within which i during which I was writing that uh Sean C and I worked together. We did a few sessions in New York. Um, and then we traveled to uh, to work with Portugal the Man in Portland, Oregon, over a weekend or so. And then um, there's also a song that we recorded uh, at a time when we both just uh, by I guess coincidence um, happened to be in LA at the same time. So we recorded one of the songs in LA. Um, wow. But yeah, aside from that, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't. We didn't spend that much time on on any of it as uh we that's sort of the concept of, of streams of thought. It's about um you know almost the, the in, like working on, on impulse and uh just not overthinking things. So it's it's as close to a stream of consciousness as 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 we could get.
2: Why is it important for you to to approach your art that way? That might sound like a silly question, but why is it important to have those stream of consciousness moments that you can just let everything out, be open, be candid and honest? Why is that important for you as an artist and why is that important right now?
1: Um for me, I think, you know, it's just important to show at, you know, at this point in my career I want to, you know, whatever I do, to be sort of demonstrative of, of my range. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, you know, the way I work uh, in a Roots capacity is uh, it's just very different. You know, people say, hey, you know, you're working, you're, you're recording, your lyrical content is, is uh, relatively, uh, you know, comparable to mm-hmm. what you uh working with the Roots, so how is this different? And, you know, what what's different about Streams of Thought is that it's... um. It's more, it, you know, these are these are, are songs that are written and recorded on on instinct. So I'm able mm-hmm. to listen, to, you know, to my to my true self and sort of go with my my first, you know, thought. You know what I'm saying no, no pun intended, but um, yeah, the the way that we've always worked as the Roots is sort of trying to, you know, I guess we've we've actually worked sort of worst case scenario. Right. You know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, just thinking of, well what's the worst thing that could happen so let's sort of prepare for that
2: put that and, out there yeah. And,
1: and, and accommodate for it and you know in this sort of uh configuration of 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 you know how i've been you know making making my music it's sort of the antithesis to that so it's more um yeah it is it is more honest it is more um personal and vulnerable and um you know, open in in a different way. So um, I'm able to sort of, uh, you know, it's the best of both worlds. It's not like the the roots is over, and it's not like I'm I'm not working on new roots material as mm-hmm. well. But this is just. Uh, you know, the way I'm able to, to compartmentalize and, and differentiate between the the two, you know.
2: Literally, we're speaking from backstage in your, you know, dressing room at Fallon. It's, you, you clearly can multitask and do, you know, different things to solo stuff, oh, yeah. to band stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, I feel like I don't think my curiosity is in why it's different. I think it's more, what do you get out of it um that is so important for you as an artist to be able to you know like even looking at good morning it's such a strong track with Pusha t and killer mike and swizz beats and you know you mentioned portugal the man like you have these collaborators but it's so you it's so authentically you speaking to the listener so why yeah. is that valuable for you to do now
1: I think for me, it's, uh, it's just, it's cathartic, you know, so, you know, I'm able to sort of serve as my own uh, therapist in, in very many ways. And this is sort of, you know, what I have to get, you know, I have to get it out. And the medium that in which I work is, uh, is also ever-evolving. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. um, it's music. Uh, sometimes it's just some remarks that I have to write down or, you know, it's a, a visual thing or, you know, the photography or the culinary arts or something right. regarding fashion or, you know, I, uh, but I have to create. And um, once I've created something and it's been received, um, then it's, uh, you know, a certain level of, of gratitude that I get. And it's um, it's reassurance, it's confidence building. It's, uh, you know, it, it adds on to, to my awareness. And, you know, I'm, it, it patches me in that much more further when it's time to sort of repeat the process. So this is what I do. And this is what we do um, because we have to.
2: I love what you said now about that. It patches you into that awareness because a lot of people shy away. They want to use it to escape and that you are doing it to tap in. Yeah. It's so powerful, but it's also so emotionally, not only draining, but like you've got to bear your soul to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And how do you like, how do you navigate that and make sure you're not going fucking crazy and you know, how do you make sure that you're okay?
1: Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I think, um, you know, the, the reward, you know, the, the, there's a certain level of, of, you know, consciousness that mm-hmm. one is able to reach, you know, as you just come more aware of, of sort of you know, the space that you occupy mm-hmm. and the space that we occupy and, you know, the space that is space and how much of sort of the universe is, is dark matter. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you know, when you deal with that on a certain level, I feel like it, it, it affects people you know, usually one of, of, of two ways. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's completely uh, you know, over, overwhelming. In the way that uh, the Overlook effect, uh, well, what is called the Overlook effect, is overwhelming to uh, to astronauts and people who who travel, um, you know, out into the in, in you know the solar system, people who travel to the moon and out in the space on shuttles and stuff to to to, to uh, set up satellites and that whole deal. Like when they get that far away from the Earth, outside of the Earth's atmosphere, to look right. back upon, you know, uh, the planet. It, it, it sometimes it makes them go batshit, you know? Right, um, right. So yeah, so it, 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 it can affect you that way or it can affect you in another way, um, which is almost the opposite, which is uh, a way that makes you appreciate um you know sort of the role that you that you play as you know um one of the the small minute pieces of mm-hmm. you know another sort of microcosm and it makes you mm-hmm. appreciate um just a greater connection and I feel like it speaks to working um, in tandem and working in in unison, and you know, sort of, you know, uh, uh, just there being like the grand scheme of things, and um, and that's uh, you know, calming in, in in very many ways. It's uh, just a consciousness of you know the galaxy and and the intentions that the galaxy has, sort of being greater than than you know any one man or any one you know city, any one you know, country, continent, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. there's a, There are far more powerful uh, forces uh, at play, you know?
0: Pause the podcast! It's time to step away from the conversation with Black Thought ever so briefly to share a special segment. We typically like to share our favorite live show or live stream of the week, but we want to continue putting a spotlight where it's most needed and instead highlight an organization we think you should contribute to. This week, we're highlighting the Black Roots Alliance, an organization that supports the safety and liberation of all Black people, promotes Black leadership, and cultivates Black-centered community transformation. To learn more and contribute, head to blackrootsalliance.org. That's blackrootsalliance.org. But for now, back to Lior and Black Thought. Enjoy! Enjoy!
2: I mean, I remember being blown away the first time I learned about the legendary stories of you and Questlove as, you know, like a street performance duo in Philadelphia. I was, you know, I'm from South Africa. So like hearing how that was something, you know, those experiences and how fulfilling they were, were those experiences were you looking at it more as a trade that you could adopt to like fill other creative work or did you find that experience really telling for how you got to where you are now?
1: Um, I definitely think the experience of, of, you know, the way we sort of worked together as young people and the way that uh, the Roots uh, Collective came to be um, Mm -hmm. was sort of the precipice. Like it was, you know, it, it is because of, 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 you know, the way we worked and, and when it all, it all, you know, sort of was taking shape that we're able to, to sort of be all things to all people, um, you know, now, and that we have been, you know, throughout our career. Um, so yeah, I, I think our career has definitely been reflective of, of having sowed those initial seeds of mm-hmm. sort of being able to, uh, to code switch and being able to perform for, you know, different audiences. Sometimes, um, multiple different audiences uh during the course of one day or evening and you know um having to sort of uh to grab folks attention and be able to hold it and um you know to maintain uh you know, your rapport, your connection uh, to the audience, sometimes without amplification. So um, I think that that Ooh. speaks to uh, just the, you know, the, the, how dynamic our performance has sort of evolved to be. And yeah, th- this was all, uh, e- but even before we had taken it to the street, we were in uh, high school where that was uh, one of the focuses was the performance. Right. The performing arts. we went to the high school for the creative and performing arts and I, I feel like um having formed our band there, uh, the career path that we've taken you know ever since has uh, has you know always sort of spoken back you know has been a, a nod back to uh, to that that sort of origin story. Yeah.
2: yeah, and a lot of the MCs that I've talked to have mentioned ciphers and freestyling with school friends being that real hook for the performance side of their oh, yeah. lives in addition to the writing side. You know, a lot, a yeah. lot of people c- cite that moment and that those formative years as I was really just trying to respond to my friends talking shit or yeah. I was just yeah. really trying to add in what I thought I was going through and what I was feeling. So what, what was your experience with that part of rap?
1: Um, you know, I was always super competitive and always uh, surrounded <laughs> myself Good. with, um, you know, artists that I had a, a great deal of respect for and people who I felt um, I, I stood to learn something from. My sharpness, you know, people say steel sharpens steel. So, um, it's important who you surround yourself with um, as a creative because it's gonna you know be reflective of of you know the way in which you're able to create and, and you know just uh, you know the broadness of your scope and you know what your vision is going to be. So um, I've always just tried to you know interact and, and integrate myself into uh, collectives of, of the best, you know what I mean, the best that would whatever place and time, um, I have an Occupy sort of has, uh, had to offer.
2: So what was the first time then that you performed in front of people? Do you remember that first gig that you ever played? That very, very first one.
1: My first time performing was in the third grade, third or fourth grade. Wow. Um, it was a, a talent show at school. And, um, you know, I did a, a cover. I was in a group of about you know four other uh, students, and um, you know I did a cover of a song by DeBarge. Uh, are you familiar with DeBarge?
2: Yes. Why did oh, you yeah. choose that as a cover?
1: They were popular back <laughs> then. And, you know the girls like DeBarge. That song, you know, their music was on the radio you know, every right. five minutes, and, um, I did a DeBarge song, and it was well received. We did a great job. We had some cool harmonies, but um, I think there were some folks who like did a dance routine um, to some hip hop music, like an early version of of hip hop, which was more like, you know, just electronic music, you know, tour, tour de France by craft work or you know something like that <laughs> right. and um you know they did this dance routine and the, just the response that they got from the audience just let me know that the next opportunity i had to perform i was going to rap because I, I already mm. you know I've, I've been writing rap since i was about nine or so so i was wow. you know a couple of years into having uh been a writer but I, I had yet to really to perform in front of uh, an audience so to speak um i you know performed uh at parties you know, a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I decided the next time I competed in a talent show was going to be uh, a rap thing. So, in what well, must have been the fifth grade talent show or, you know, fourth or fifth grade talent show, whatever was the next year, I got a rap group together. And it was me, it was two other rappers, a friend of mine named Waleek, mm-hmm. a friend of mine named uh, Dwight, who would uh, later go on to become uh, an icon in his own right. He uh, was the rapper Beanie Siegel
2: wow that's such so, a young uh, age that you made age. everybody
1: yeah. young age and he was younger than i he was a year younger than i was but this was both of our first sort of performance and we had some street some break dancers and someone who did the human beatbox wow. and um people doing uh, graffiti like street art uh live on stage so, so we just brought every part <laughs> of pop culture to the audience um everything except the dj we didn't have a dj because we performed to a track but um yeah and you know we killed it we won the talent show that year and uh and i've, I've been hooked ever since the rest is sort of history you know Wait, what,
2: what debauched song did you cover was it rhythm um, of the night
1: <laughs> no no this is before rhythm of the night this is um i think we did ooh and i like it
2: oh brilliant <laughs> yeah. that's so funny
1: <laughs> but were,
2: were you ever like i don't want to say i don't want to project this onto you but like what were you performing for? Were you performing because it felt so good to express yourself like that? Or were you performing because you were good at it and you just, that was your calling in life?
1: I, I think performing was my calling. I'd always been a performer, you know? Um, I would, you know, perform for, uh, for my members of my family and, and, you know, if they had guests, if guests came over, I would, you know, put on suits and, you know, dress up in outfits and come out and sing. And some of my friends on the on my street, we would do, you know, get together and sing doo-wop songs. And sure. you know, I'd, I'd always, yeah, I'd always been a, a performer. So um, I think it was just in me. And the, uh, like I said, you know, it was something that, you know, I, I sort of had to, to, to make manifest or, I, you know, I would have probably gone insane
2: a lot of people ask like how do you get into a certain vocation how do you get into a certain life stream and that you got into it because that was just in your blood yeah start so i mean i know early on you also performed at like lollapalooza and Montro jazz fest and like yeah gosh, like Woodstock 99. So do you have any particular memories from those festival performances? Because those are very different to, I mean, you you were describing now one of your first performances being this all-encompassing thing with a beatbox and a track and dances and things like that. But the, going to a festival is a completely different beast almost. So what kind of memories do you have from playing at festivals? And does it really differ much to those early days for you as a performer up on stage?
1: There? Right up until, uh, you know, those, those first runs of shows like Lollapalooza, Smoking Grooves Tour and, um, you know, performing, uh, uh, supporting Cypress Hill and Beastie Boys, who took us out on one of our ah. first runs. Um, you know, we, we were like sponges. So we looked and learned and absorbed, um, you know, sort of, you know, what what to do, what not to do, how to move um, on the road, on stage, um, as a unit, and um, yeah, like we we learned those lessons, and yeah, we would apply uh, those lessons almost immediately uh, to to our own to our own uh, working model. Yeah, and you know, that was uh the days of which you speak have come and gone. But I feel like mm-hmm. those of us who were sort of around during that that period, um, you know, we're cut from a certain cloth. Like, you know, we're we're road warriors, where we're able to, you know, there was no uh you know, like we paid our dues. We come from, you know, you're lucky if there's a hotel room for, you know, any member of the band. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right.
1: You know, having to park the bus up and then we'd all go into a hotel and it's like, uh, we have an hour for everyone to take a shower and then we have no, no more access to this room. You know what God, I mean? God, yes. So,
0: uh,
1: yeah, you know, we, we you know, we sort of paid, you know I mean, traveling Europe in, in a van, not a bus and, you know, driving, driving ourselves around the States. Um, oh my gosh. All that, you know what I mean? The stuff that, that, that is the stuff of, of legend though. And um, yeah. it just makes you uh, appreciate uh whatever it is that you're able to achieve. Um when you achieve it, you're able to, you, you it makes you appreciate it more and it makes you more appreciative of uh the brotherhood and the camaraderie that is built um, you know, through the struggle. Like when you struggle together with someone to, to achieve uh a goal.
2: Previous two were just the first, you know, streams of thought. But then this last one coming up in a few days' time is Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. What made you put a title on it?
1: Naming this volume, Cain and Abel. I feel like it speaks to just where we are uh, in society, and uh, you know, definitely our relationship with one another uh, here in the United States. Um, you know, uh, brothers killing brothers. Um, you know, man killing man, I, I just feel like it speaks to uh to mortality and to the fragility of of life and and you know the the original sin, so to speak, um in that way, but um also just on a more uh, straight straightforward level um, we are cane uh Sean mm-hmm. C who produced uh, this material, his name is uh Sean Kane it's spelled the way that we use it in, in the, the title. Cain and, and I am, uh, you know, I, I am able. I'm very, <laughs> I'm willing. <laughs>
2: You yourself are, of course, considered a legend and you've collaborated with so many over the years. Yeah. Is it? It's a difficult question, I know, but do you have somebody... I mean, you mentioned earlier touring with Beastie Boys and Cypress Hill, but was there a band or someone that you saw live that you later collaborated with that kind of blew your mind or just in general an artist that you worked with that really shifted the way you
1: work? Um, I mean, there's been so many. Beastie Boys, um, Rage Against the Machine. This tour that we did with Beck made a huge impression on me, a lasting impression. Um, very many other runs that we did with Cypress Hill, uh, Public Enemy, um, The Fugees, uh, Outkast, uh, George Clinton, and, and different sort of variations of uh, his parliament uh, ensembles. P-Funk, All Stars, and that whole thing. Um, but yeah, you know, someone who we saw perform a long, a long while ago, and, uh, you know, they've always made, made a, a lasting impression on us, was uh, Bruce Springsteen. Mm. and the street band, and just, you know, what he, you know, means and what he, he has meant for so long uh, for so many people. Um, it's definitely been, been something to sort of uh, that we've aspired to and uh, used to do this festival it was called the uh, uh, Ross Gilded, which yes, is in, uh, Denmark, Denmark, yeah, is. that's a festival uh, as, as a part of which we were able to sort of work our ways. Our way through the ranks, and we worked Mm -hmm. our way up, you know, over very many years, playing each individual stage and sort of, you know, killing it and approaching it with the same level of confidence and professionalism, and you know, rocking our our respective audience um, Mm -hmm. for years until, uh, you know, one year we um, came back and it was, you know, we were on the main stage, and uh, it was just the Roots and Bruce Springsteen, and and I, you know, had. Oh my God. I remember when you know we couldn't even get over here to this stage and now we're sharing the stage and we killed it we you know destroyed our set so crazy you know with- seeing <laughs> those guys watching that they had to bring us back out during their performance they're like you know there's no way we're going out there they had to bring us back out before- <laughs> and um yeah, you know that was uh, that was that was a moment for me. That was a, a moment to sort of reflect upon. And you know, with Questlove and I, well, he had to leave immediately because he had to DJ. So he missed coming back out with Springsteen. Mm-hmm. But it was you know, after the whole thing had taken place. It was something that you know we still reflect upon as a, a milestone, sort of watershed uh, moment. You know?
2: this must be the gig is produced by adam kivel we'd like to thank dean berger and daniel brater for additional music as well as the consequence podcast network hey if you've listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally, just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you all